Rambo said yesterday that um, at some point while you're in hospitals that he was going to beat your butt. That wasn't the word that he used, but did you have any response for that? In golf? <laughs> I think he, I think he meant on the football field. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll come a day, you know. Let's go right here in the middle of the damn field. Let's bring it down, take it on three. Hell yeah! Because this is our house from now on. Yes, sir. Take it on three. One, two, three. Seven. But I'm going to tell you this. We ain't done yet. i got to ask you about the message on your shirt. Uh, my favorite holiday of the year, I guess. And, you know, so... Just, um, someone gave me a shirt and Merry Christmas, they spelled it wrong, so, you know, it was free. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? That's a, yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that, that <laughs> we played LSU because, you know, New England, Green Bay, and the Chiefs uh, had somebody scheduled. You know what we're going to do, though? We've got to quickly call the Hogs for the race back. Yep. <laughs> the fact you're dressed as Darth Vader, do you feel like you were somewhat of a villain in this fight? I mean, you charged out on the field pretty hard. I was trying to get our players off the field, you know, because I know we have a big game next week. All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? Oh, man, I can't believe it. We are about uh, a little over 24 hours away, Shane, from Tennessee <laughs> and Bowling Green. How excited are you? Oh, it's like Christmas Eve, baby. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. I hope we score a ton of points tomorrow. And uh, I'm just glad it's here, man. It is finally here. Yeah, and I can't wait for it either, Shane. And, uh, you know, we've been holding off on this announcement. Uh, You know, we'll obviously get to the games in just a minute here. But uh, we want to announce, you know, I I hit on it in the last show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it specifically. Our partnership, Shane, with Prize Picks. Head on over Mm -hmm. to uh, prizepicks.com and use that promo code SEC. They'll match your initial deposit bonus for up to $100. And why this is uh, so you know, I think this is going to be a one hell of a season. Everything we got going on, now we've got fantasy football, Shane, with these not only SEC players, but I'm going to be sticking to SEC. There's NFL. They got all the sports mm-hmm. over there. But uh, we're going to have a competition between the listeners. If, if you sign up with uh, prizepicks.com, we're going to manage all that over at thatsecpodcast.com. And uh, I can't wait to, to hear you spiel on about your fantasy picks, Shane. <laughs> well, what I love about this app is so easy. Uh, I, I, I know there's a ton of people out there say, well, hell, I don't know anything about fantasy. Never done it. But I'm telling you, it's like picking one to three players. That's it. They made it really easy for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, very simple. And uh, we're going to tell you all my picks. So you just go the opposite way. You're probably going <laughs> to win some money, too. So can't go wrong with that, Mike. <laughs> 
But if you want to show appreciation, jumping on there does help us out. Even if you put a few bucks in there just to play around with this uh, or this this fall, uh, it definitely helps us out. Yeah, and they even have right now before the season starts. You know, they'll get they'll have the uh, season totals. You can bet on your favorite players over under how many rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, passing yards, passing touchdowns, all that over at uh, PrizePicks.com. And remember to use that code promo code SEC. They'll match your initial deposit bonus up to a hundred bucks. Can't beat that, can you, Shane? Come on now, hundred dollars. <laughs> just put it in there. Yeah, just that's what you do. Put it in there. You play till you get that hundred dollar mark. You get out. You have some fun, man. <laughs> so uh, it's like free money. Absolutely. Well, hey, buddy, uh, we've got a terrific show lined up. Got another great guest. We're continuing this week of uh, just guests. Upon guest, upon guest. And this time we got Steven Lassen, Athlon Sports. Shane, we never bullshit the audience here. We don't know anything about FAU and CMU and Akron and all these uh, teams that we don't care about. So who better than to have the man that writes the Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine who's got an encyclopedic knowledge of all these college football teams to hop on the line, and we were able to hit on every single matchup for week one. So you ready to kick it over to our interview, buddy, with uh, Steven Lassen? Hell yeah, let's do it! All right, we're uh, happy to once again have Steven Lassen on the show. Of course, a longtime writer and editor for Athlon Sports. Of course, the uh, go-to preseason college football magazine. Uh, Steven works on that every off season and of course you can follow him at athlon steven and you got to check out his podcast it's on my rotation the cover two podcast steven thanks for joining me i really appreciate it hey mike it's always good to talk to you i love the podcast you know the uh your your podcast is in my rotation as well congrats on all the success with the video thing so far and Hey man, week week one is here. We've had games. It's time to uh, kick this thing off. I don't know about you, but it's been a crazy off season, and I'm just ready to get some games going. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, I'm tired of talking about a lot of these matchups, but that's exactly why I'm having you on. Because, to be honest, I don't know much about uh, half these programs here that are facing the SEC. So I don't like to BS the audience. So I I had to reach out to Stephen who I like to consider him the uh, encyclopedia of college football knowledge. So, uh, again, very thankful that uh, Stephen cut out the time on this busy week to, to share some info. But let's just get right into the action because we got so many games here. And, of course, on Thursday, we've got uh, the first SEC game kicking off here with Bowling Green traveling to Tennessee. What can you tell the listeners about uh, Bowling Green? I think the first thing of of note for Bowling Green is former Auburn assistant Scott Leffler as the head coach, and and they had Brian Van Gorder on the staff last year. He's not on the staff anymore, uh, but just an interesting team. Uh, you know, frankly, they have not been very good uh, under Scott Leffler, uh, three and fourteen over the last two years. And to kind of sum up where this program is, the anonymous coach scouting in our magazine said last year, they looked like the very worst team in college football. So it gives you some insight if you're a Tennessee fan that this is a game that Tennessee should really dominate. We have them 128 in our projected uh, 130. They average about 11 points a game, gave up 45 last season. Goodness. So you know, 
I think again for this is really it's one of those games that I think for Josh Heupel in Tennessee, you know, you can kind of flex your muscles a little bit here. This is a game you should win, put some style points on the board. I'm interested to see what Joe Milton does for Tennessee. So all in all, if Tennessee does not win and win impressively on Thursday night, it will be a major surprise. You mentioned something interesting there with Joe Milton. I I did want to ask you your thoughts on him because I know you watched him there at Michigan. Any surprised that he was the starting quarterback and then how do you think that he fits into Josh Heupel's offensive system I I was a little surprised I thought Hendon Hooker would win the starting job I I think the problem I I think with evaluating Joe Milton at Michigan last year is just so many things went wrong for Michigan and of course it was an abbreviated season that started late so I, I don't know whether it's fair to judge Joe Milton just specifically on what happened last season he's got a ton of talent though you know that coming out of the recruiting ranks regarded for big time arm strength he can move around in the pocket I think he is a good fit for the offense I thought Hendon Hooker would be the guy because he can do similar things Uh, but I think the upside of Joe Milton is worth taking a chance on for Tennessee so I'm interested to see how he does I don't think last year is necessarily reflective of his ability, but also wonder if if maybe he'll ever reach that potential that uh, was regarded coming out of high school too. Now, the only uh, noon kickoff that we'll have on Saturday, UL Monroe at Kentucky. What can you tell us about uh, the fighting Rich Rods down there? <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I was going to say my my kind of format for this would be a little similar to the Bowling Green one. So I apologize for the negative start to the podcast here. ULM was not very good last year. We have them projected in our magazine to finish number 127, 10 losses last year, 0 and 10. They didn't lead in a single game last year and they lost nine games by double digits. But I think the interesting thing is the coaching staff, you mentioned him, Rich Rodriguez, his son, Rhett Rodriguez, is the starting quarterback now. They have a handful of transfers, and Terry Bowden is their head coach. So just some interesting kind of blast from the past names. But this is a game um, for Kentucky, much like Tennessee. They should be able to dominate. And I'm interested to see uh, Kentucky's offense. You know, Liam Cohen, Will Levis, this is with, with Missouri up next. I think it's a good opportunity uh, for Kentucky to sort of work out some of the kinks going forward. Now, uh, another interesting matchup here early in the day, Rice at Arkansas. And uh, interesting note here that I didn't realize till I heard Sam Pittman talk about it on Monday, but this will be the first time that uh, his program is ever favored in a matchup. They were underdog every single game last season. What can you tell us about the Rice Owls? I think the first thing is, if you watched Stanford in recent years, Rice is sort of similar. Uh, Mike Bloomgren is their head coach and he came from Stanford very similar style very defensive and run the ball kind of trenches type of coach we have them projected to finish 113 in in conference in in overall and in conference USA you know they're somewhere in the west division anywhere from four to six in that division so they're not one of the better teams in conference USA they are getting better Uh, they played it better at the end of last season they beat Marshall uh, who was the champion of the CUSA East Division. I think if you're looking at players, Luke McCaffrey, uh, you know, he's been around a little bit. He was at Nebraska, and he made a pit stop at Louisville earlier this offseason. So I, this, on paper, the strength of Rice's team is its defense. It's hard to see this offense being able to put up a lot of points on Arkansas. So I think if you're 
your Sam Pittman, you know, like you said, being favored, uh, good opportunity for KJ Jefferson to get going, especially with Texas coming up soon. Now, big game here, nationally televised Alabama versus Miami in Atlanta. Uh, what kind of uh, matchup are we looking at here with the Hurricanes? You know, I think Miami's a team that I have a lot of interest in this year. They're picked second by Athlon Sports in the Coastal, top 15 team, very dynamic and explosive quarterback in De'Ara King. He tore his ACL in the bowl game at the end of last season, but all signs suggest that he's healthy. And I think he's the type of player, uh, kind of the the guy that could be a, a real problem for Alabama just because he's so dynamic and he can throw the ball all over the field. He has good receivers. But, you know, Alabama, of course, the, from a defensive perspective, is going to be lights out this year. They're going to be one of the best defenses in the country. But if there is a type of player, you know, we've sort of seen that quarterback who can do it all give Alabama's defense some trouble. So I think if you're if you're an Alabama fan, you want to figure, you know, if you're the defense for Alabama and you're an Alabama fan watching the game, how they contain De'Eric King is going to be really crucial from a defensive perspective for Miami, I think Alabama can really take advantage of this group in the front seven. Linebackers have been a concern for Miami all offseason. They have a converted linebacker. Looks like he's going to start at defensive end. And DeAndre Johnson, uh, a guy SEC fans may remember from Tennessee, mm -hmm. could either start or rotate in at defensive end. They're a little small, I think, on the edges. So I think if you're Alabama, maybe getting behind that big offensive line, Brian Robinson, uh, pushing around some people up front on along the line of scrimmage. That could be a real strength. But yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing, if you're Alabama, contain De'Ara King. And I'm interested to see what Bryce Young, Bill O'Brien, some of those new weapons for Alabama looks like. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Miami's had, uh, I think, two guys in a row on maybe on the defensive line that have been high draft picks. So based on what you're saying here, it doesn't sound like they've got another guy that uh, you think could, could be the next star for the Hurricanes. Yeah, I think the strength of this defense right now, and, and you're right, they've had good pass rushers at Miami the last couple of years. Their defense as a whole regressed last season, and their head coach, Manny Diaz, is taking back over the play calling duties because it regressed last season. But the strength of that defense for Miami is up front in the interior. They're, they're, they're stronger on the at the middle than they are at the edges this year. So I think that you're going to see some guys rotate in. But I think coming into the first game of the year, I, I don't think that's a strength for Miami right now is getting guys to the quarterback. They don't have that defined uh, standout off the edge right now. Now, next game here, Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. I don't want to call it a trap game, but uh, this this seems like an interesting matchup. What are your thoughts on uh, the Louisiana Tech program? Yeah, I think, you, first of all, you're right. It is an interesting matchup. Louisiana Tech is a pretty solid team in Conference USA. You know, they should be somewhere six, seven, eight victories. Skip Holtz is, is of course, the head coach. Just kind of an, an all-around solid program. They also they've brought in a lot of transfers the last couple of years. Austin Kendall is going to be their starting quarterback. You may remember him. He was at West Virginia and Oklahoma mm -hmm. uh, before this. I think, you know, the, the thing that I'm watching from a Mississippi State perspective is year two of Mike Leach and just trying to get this offense on track. Will Rogers, uh, you know, showed some signs of life at the end of last season. This is a tougher opening opponent, I think, you know, when you compare Arkansas versus Rice, Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech. Still think Mississippi State handles things here. Uh, but as far as 
you know, concern, you know, tougher game, I, I think I'd much rather play Rice than Louisiana Tech. Now, Mississippi State's had some uh, issues on the offensive line last season in particular. Is there anybody or, or maybe the group as a whole, Louisiana Tech, that could, uh, you know, kind of threaten a potential weakness there for the Bulldogs? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Louisiana Tech is pretty experienced up front in the front seven on defense, but this defense, you know, one, one of the hard parts about, I think, this season in studying Louisiana Tech's defense is the, how last year's disruptions might make it difficult for us to evaluate some of these teams. And when you're looking at teams from Conference USA and how they started the season and they were disrupted for a couple games. So it, when you look at the stats for Louisiana Tech's defense, they were not very good. Uh, they gave up 35 points a game, ranked ninth in Conference USA versus the run. They do have some experience. The guys like Willie Baker, uh, Tyler Grubbs is a standout linebacker for him too. Uh, but I still think that this is a, a, a defense that Mississippi State should be able to move the ball on uh, on Saturday. Now, I don't know how much stock you put into, uh, you know, the, the lines, particularly early in a college football season, but uh, Central Michigan at Missouri, this is the smallest line among all SEC matchups with uh, featuring a home game, of course. So, uh, you know, what's Jim McElwain and company got cooking there at Central Michigan that uh, that has got this less than a two touchdown spread? I was surprised at that. You know, I, I certainly, you know, Central Michigan is a pretty solid team from the MAC. They're not picked to win the MAC. That's either Toledo or uh, Ball State by most people. So Central Michigan's probably three or four in the Mac West, but certainly I think most experts believe they're somewhere right around six or seven wins this year. I think it kind of goes to their experienced team. I mean, their defense is given, uh, you know, defensively, offensively, they have some weapons at running back and receiver experienced defense. The question I think for central Michigan coming into this year is the quarterback position. Jacob Sermon is projected to be the starter. They may play a couple different quarterbacks. So, you know, I was a little surprised at that spread, but I think this is a very veteran Central Michigan team that probably won't be intimidated by the environment. But I think for Missouri, with Kentucky coming up next, I think it's going to be kind of important for Connor Basilak and Eli Drinkowitz to get that offense going. So uh, that spread may be a little low for me on Missouri. I think they handle business on Saturday. Now, Akron is uh, traveling to Auburn, the first game of the Brian Harson era. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, I think they're called the Zips. Sorry to uh, be negative again <laughs> here. They are 1-17 over the last two years, and they just lost their best player uh, due to legal issues. Tion Dollard was one of the standout running backs on that team last season. They just had their best offensive lineman transfer as well. So Auburn probably not going to have too much trouble here. I think if you're watching this game just from a – a broad sense, you know, I'm curious, what does Brian Harson's team look like in his first game? What about Bo Nix? What about, you know, the offensive line? So I think this is one of those games that the Brian Harson era should get off to a good start and they should be able to put their, you know, to be able to do what they want to do offensively and build some confidence. All right. The, the game we've been talking about months and months and months, everybody's got this one circle, Georgia versus Clemson in Charlotte are the Tigers overrated or do, or do you think this really is going to be a, a true heavyweight showdown I think it's going to be a heavyweight showdown I have to tell you I have probably changed my mind about 25 different times on who I think is going to win this game <laughs> uh, I, I have first of all I hope it lives up to the hype because I mean you think about the implications that could 
be at stake here. The playoff could be at stake, you know, down the road, whichever team wins this game could have a pretty good advantage in, in the rankings later in the season, but also just the, the sheer amount of talent that's on the field. I mean, JT Daniels, um, you know, the quarterback for Clemson, DJU, who started last season threw for over 400 yards at Notre Dame, you know, not to mention there's the storyline of Darian Kendrick, the Clemson mm-hmm. cornerback transferring to Georgia. So there's just, there's so many fascinating uh, individual players, but then you also look at the matchups. I mean, the defensive line talent and front seven talent in this game, Clemson may have the best defensive line in college football. Georgia may not be too far behind it. Uh, also, Justin Ross, the receiver for Clemson, one of the best in the country, is back after missing last season. So I, I am just fascinated to see what happens here. I think it's going to live up to the hype, be the heavyweight matchup that we all kind of expect. I think if you're a Georgia fan, I think there's there's one there's two kind of areas to keep in mind here. Clemson struggled to run the ball last year against Ohio State. They had 44 rushing yards in the Sugar Bowl. Also, Clemson's defense struggled with the tempo of Ohio State. And you think back to last season when JT Daniels took over, and now they have a full offseason to implement uh, their offense and, and kind of get in cohesion. You wonder if you may see some of those similar things on Saturday night. So, man, I think this is going to be a heck of a game. I mean, this is number three, number four, uh, two, three in the country. It should be a fantastic matchup. And I think the uh, over-under for that game is it's either 52 or 54. It's right around there. But uh, considering that uh, both teams look to have strong front sevens, but particularly defensive lines, and I, I don't want to call them questionable offensive lines, but maybe just offensive lines that are work in progress, it, does that factor into to how you would kind of maybe uh, handicap that that over under number? Yeah, th- I think you're right. First of all, offensive line wise for Clemson, I I do think it is you know a concern. Like, how do they hold up against a very physical and deep um, Georgia front? I think on the other side of things, I mean, I, I feel good. Like Georgia, from a talent perspective, has a lot of really talented offensive linemen I just don't know how they all fit together as far as you know where they all start this year but how 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 consistent are they going to be in the first game of the year and all that too it takes time to get all that group gelled together so yeah I think the skill talent says to me to take the uh take the over but I also think when you look at the offensive line and the way that the defenses could control first game of the year yeah I I think the under might be a pretty strong play here now, next matchup here, FAU, I believe uh, Willie Taggart is the coach there now at Florida. What can you tell us about the them Owls? Yeah, Willie Taggart is the head coach there at FAU. Also, Nikosi Perry, uh, former Miami quarterback, is going to be the starter for the Owls. They are one of the better teams in Conference USA's East Division. Uh, but one of the best is kind of relative here. Con- Conference USA is is you know, probably ninth or 10th in the, in the conference power rankings this year, we have FAU projected to finish 94th, uh, good defense, 10 starters are back. Uh, they allowed, you know, right around 19 points a game last year, but they only scored about 19 points a game last year. So really not explosive on offense and defensively, it's really hard for that group. I think even if they can maybe win some battles early on, uh, tough for me to see them being able to hold up over four quarters. So uh, also just curious about Florida. I mean, Emory Jones, new receivers, 
Florida's defense, I think, uh, you know, even though, even though this one may not be close, I think I'll be paying close attention to some of those things for Florida uh, on Saturday. All right. How about uh, Kent state at Texas A&M? I feel bad for Kent state going into that buzzsaw, the, uh, the Aggies, man, they, <laughs> the expectations are through the roof. I think, uh, that fan base is expecting big things. What can you tell them about uh, their opening opponent, Kent State? So we've reached, we finally reached a team, a group of five team I could talk, <laughs> you know, pretty positively about. Uh, you know, first of all, I think Texas A&M takes care of business here. But Kent State is one of the better teams in the MAC, And their head coach, Sean Lewis, is a coach you probably will hear a lot in the next couple of years about rising star. Maybe he moves up to be a coach in the Big Ten. Uh, dynamic offense too. Dustin Crum is one of the best quarterbacks at the group of five level. They averaged almost 50 points a game last year. The caveat being that it was only four games. It was in the Mac. They are pretty explosive, uh, but as good as their offense is, their defense is pretty questionable too. So I don't think Texas A&M's defense will be allowing 50 points on Saturday. And I don't think Kent state's uh, defense will be able to do much to slow down Haynes King uh, or the Texas A&M offense. Now we got a taste of uh, UCLA in week zero against Hawaii. I thought uh, their running game looked pretty good. That's about all I can tell you about the Bruins. So what can you tell us, Stephen, about uh, UCLA as, as they're set to uh, host LSU in the Rose Bowl? I think the first thing is, as a program, they are trending in the right direction under Chip Kelly. Uh, they've sort of you know, been four and eight or so the last couple of years, but it seems like they may have the pieces in place to contend for the Pac-12 South title. So they might be a little bit underrated in rankings this year. You mentioned the rushing attack, and I think I stumbled upon this just looking through last week's stats, but... UCLA has won 11 games under Chip Kelly and in, in eight of those they've run for 200 yards or more so that 200 yards mark uh, rushing yards seems to be a pretty important indicator for UCLA so you know LSU's defense the deep defensive line this UCLA offensive line and ground game is already hitting on, on all cylinders that will be a very good matchup but I think that also gets at the broader problem for UCLA uh, their passing game was inconsistent last week. Their starting quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, is dynamic. He can move around. I think he's better than what he showed last week. He missed some time in fall practice. So he's maybe just getting back into the flow of things. But when you study this team, they have a potentially dynamic quarterback to go with a good ground game, experienced offensive line, and their defense, especially up front, has improved but they might be vulnerable at cornerback. And of course, that's not good news when you play Max Johnson and Kayshawn Butte. So I think if you're an LSU fan, watch the battle up front. I think if LSU can get them into third and long situations, I'm not sure that UCLA has the playmakers on the outside right now to take advantage of that. And for me, the, you know, the biggest concern for this matchup would be uh, Chip Kelly going up against Aronta Jones, who's the, the play caller for LSU now. Does that concern you at all heading into this matchup? Yeah, that's a great point. I think when you when you look, look at LSU this offseason, there's no question they got talent. They, they've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but how fast does it all mesh together with the new coaching staff? And so I think that's a great kind of X factor for this game. You look at LSU, the talent with Stingley and Ricks and all the guys they've got coming back up front. 
I would bank on the talent probably winning out here because I think LSU can get them into long yardage situations. And I just don't know that all night long UCLA can execute if it's third and seven, third and mm-hmm. eight. But it is a, it is a chess match, and, and certainly it'll be something to, to watch. But I, I will bank on talent winning out here for LSU. All right, last big game here, Ole Miss versus Louisville in Atlanta on Monday. What can you tell us about uh, the Louisville Cardinal? I think the first thing that jumps out about this game is uh, they could be high scoring. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, with Matt Corral and all those weapons, and, and Louisville is very capable of putting up some points. Malik Cunningham is their quarterback. He is very kind of uh, dynamic too. He can, he runs, you know, he does good with running. He also makes some plays to the air. He's going to have to have a good game for Ole Miss to, or for Louisville to win because their skill talent around him is brand new. They have new running backs. They have some new receivers. They have an experienced offensive line coming back. And also for, for Louisville, one positive last season is if you look at their record, they didn't seem very good on paper, but the underlying metrics, they had some bad luck with turnovers. They had some really poor field position all year, but their metrics on defense improved. So they have a improving defense to go with a quarterback who can kind of take over uh, a game potentially if he's playing at the level he did in 2019. 2020 was not the year for Malik Cunningham. So I think there, there's some potential here for a shootout. I just, you know, I just, it's really hard for me to see Louisville, even with a better defense, being able to slow down uh, this Ole Miss offense. There are just weapons everywhere. So I, I like Louisville to be better this year on, on paper. We've got them projected to finish fifth in the ACC Coastal Atlantic, sorry, anywhere in the Atlantic after you get past uh, Clemson is pretty much a toss up. So they're, they're a pretty solid six, seven, eight win type of team. Uh, but think that they will have their hands full on Monday night. Now, I didn't want to ignore the other two matchups, but I also <laughs> don't want to ask about uh, Eastern Illinois, whoever the heck that is, and, and ETSU. But uh, does anything in those matchups, even if it's, uh, you know, we both are, live here in Nashville, even if it's focused on Vanderbilt or South Carolina, but uh, anything you'll be looking for from the, the debuts of Clark Lee and, and Shane Beamer? I think for Shane Beamer, I mean, you know, I I know you'll talk a ton about the quarterback situation (laughs) for South Carolina, man. What a fascinating story. Zeb Nolan, who's been at Iowa State, North Dakota State, and is now the starting quarterback at South Carolina. But Eastern Illinois was 1-11 in 2019. And yes, South Carolina has some quarterback uncertainty. I think they'll take care of business, though. And uh, on the other side for Vanderbilt, you know, this is one of those games where Vanderbilt, the expectations are pretty low this year, and rightfully so. They're, you know, winning three games with three or four games would probably be a good season for them. Uh, but, you know, some style points in the opener, a chance to make an impression against an FCS opponent would be a good start for Clark Lee. Interesting, uh, Mike, you know, Randy Sanders is the head coach at East Tennessee State. They were four and two in the spring season. If the name Randy Sanders rings a bell, that's the former Tennessee. Uh, offensive coordinator and of course he's been at Kentucky and in Florida State so mm-hmm. uh, another blast from the past there from uh, from the SEC well Stephen I really appreciate uh, all this information we're able to hit on all 14 SEC teams or at least their opponents and uh, 
man, like I said, you, sir, are an encyclopedia of college football knowledge. So uh, there was literally no one else that I wanted to have on to, to run down this, uh, this gauntlet. Well, you can't really call it a gauntlet, but uh, this slate <laughs> of games we got in the SEC week one. So I, I really do a thank you. Hey, hey, man, anytime. It was a pleasure and uh, look forward to uh, catching up soon during the year. All right, so I just want to say thanks again for Stephen for hopping on the line here. And like I said, I mean, basically I got him on the line. I said, hey, any of these teams you're not comfortable <laughs> discussing? He said, no, sir. So uh, he's the opposite of Sam Pittman there. You know what? So I do appreciate uh, him taking that time and, and going over all these uh, matchups. And, and it just gives me a better sense. It sounds like the FCC is going to be doing some, some whooping of that ass this weekend. And uh, I can't wait for it. Well, me either, man. You know, all we did was whoop each other's ass last year again, all SEC. So it's kind of <laughs> nice taking on some of these these lower folds so we can uh, pump up them ratings and get these guys fired. I think that was what was key for a lot of teams last year is we didn't have the tune-up games. Right. So uh, I'm not saying all these are tune-up games, but there's going to be a few that we can work some kinks out. So then when we get to conference play, we're getting the best product. So I'm, I'm pumped up, man. Great, great news. Great interview, man. I appreciate it, Shane. And uh, speaking of those warm-up games, <laughs> what you call them, uh, you ready to hop it around the league? We got a couple to preview. Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. Um, what, what, what is 12 personnel? You know, I, I, I got to get up two tight ends and two wide receivers or one? I, I'm just kidding. I don't know what 12 personnel is. <laughs> So, <laughs> worry about playing Alabama. I can't figure out whether or not the Big Ten and Back 12 are going to yo-yo around and play football with us or not. I mean, they're playing great. Love it. Love the game. Awesome game. It's unbelievable for our country. Uh, it's it's great for our universities. It's great for our towns when we play. It's great for our young men. Uh, you know, it, I think it's personally think it's the greatest game in the world. So if they elect to play, great. If they don't. Yeah, you know, that's 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 on them. I, I got enough crap to worry about with preparing for Alabama and figuring stuff out at Mizzou. So. The team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the, the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI. And frankly, or frankly, that's bull crap. Uh, we've got a hell of a football team. And whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up no matter who's out. We got Kevin. All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are going to ask whatever you want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? Young man from Destrian, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. Yesterday was so jam-packed with the uh, Tony Basilio show and everything like that. I was uh, in, unable to get to a couple of these teams. So uh, let's start here in Lexington. Where Mark Stoops and the Wildcats poised to go into another season here uh, with a completely new offense. So, you know, the fan base, Shane, I, I'm sure you've been seeing it as well. The Man, the Kentucky fans, it's almost like, you know, right or wrong, they've got Tennessee in their rearview mirror. You know, they're looking uh -huh. 
to, to match wits with uh, Georgia and Florida this year. They're feeling the disrespect card. Mm-hmm. And I think Kentucky, you know, I keep saying it, they're like the ultimate wild card in my opinion because if they hit on this offensive coordinator, if they hit on this uh, transfer quarterback, Will Levis, this is going to be one hell of a dangerous team, don't you think? Uh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. This is something that we thought could happen. Uh, we just said that they're missing a few pieces, and it feels like it's coming together at the right time. So um, I think I think there's a t- few teams in the East need to be a little worried about that big blue nation. Yeah, and uh, of course, you know, one guy, I don't want to say he's overshadowed because there's been so much hype with him, but uh, Wandell Robinson sure as hell looked to me like mm-hmm. Nebraska was missing him. And uh, that's one of the guys that uh, Mark Stoops hit on here, talked about, uh, you know, nothing has been given to that kid. He's had to come in and earn everything that uh, he's gotten there in Lexington. He talks about Will Levis being stepping up. I know he's not been there that long, but he's already emerged as one of the team leaders. Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, you know, this is a a constant theme you're going to hear from a lot of these coaches on this show, but – the unknown going into the opener. So let's kick it over to Mark Stoops. Mark, how have you seen the other day Vince talked about Wondell came in and wanted to earn his spot. He wanted all his teammates to know it just wasn't handed to him. How have you seen him kind of embrace being the face of a program, all the pressure that comes around with coming home? And all that? Well, he, he, he does that every day as far as, um, you know, doesn't say boo you know as far like he works he works hard he puts his head down he works at his craft every day and 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 uh, you you've heard me talk about that over the years with different players everybody finds their voice at different times I'm sure he will be uh, you know use his voice when he needs to at times and has uh, but uh, he leads uh, heavily by example as well being a new guy coming in here and he works very hard every day and uh, really gets better he improves it's amazing to see him um, the way he's sharpened his skill at wide receiver we all know he's a talented guy with the ball in his hand but uh, he's really developing into a great wide receiver he's he's very talented and but I love his work ethic Mark, when Will got here, mm-hmm. he wanted to work on leadership qualities and, and relationships pardon me when Will got here he said mm. one thing a couple things he did work on were leadership and building relationships with his coaches, something mm-hmm. he didn't do at Penn State. What have you seen from him in, in, in that area? I, I've just seen a, a strong leader, a strong presence. Um, again, he's he's very authentic, what, what you really like about him, and uh, he works at it. He's in there a lot. He's in there watching film. You know, a few times this summer when we've had recruits on campus or he happened to pop in my office and just watching him interact with other people, watching him interact with, with recruits, parents, anybody, he's, uh, he's, he's you know, handles himself like a grown man. And, uh, you know, so you need that out of your quarterback, you know, so he's very strong. I know we talk a lot about the new things, mm-hmm. but done this you now nine years. Do you still get the... Definitely. I think the opener is always a bit different. You've probably heard me say that for nine years, but it's true. I think the opener is different because, you know, there's a lot of anticipation. There's a long time. Again, you know, uh, you, you don't know. You know, you have a good feeling what your team is. You know, you work with them every day and you know them, but, but until you get out there and do it, you know, that then it 
then settles you down. You, you kind of have a better idea. You know, where do we need to work on? You know, what things are we doing good? Let's build on the good things. Let's improve on the on the other things. And uh, you get caught in the, the moment of uh, getting better, you know, once, once you start. Early on, we've been going at this, you know, all you know, for a long camp and you're, you're kind of anxious and you just kind of want to see what your team really is. So those nerves are, are the anticipation, I'd say more than nerves, you know, are, are always there. I think I'm very excited. Um, you know, I've said this before, I think, you know, with the, to me, you know, it, it, it feels new. It feels like year one, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and I guess it's maybe with a lot of the changes that I've had, you know, a lot of changes in the offense and or in the office in general, you know, and I think, uh, you know, for me, it's just an exciting time. Mark, you talked about being concerned players trying to do too much that first game. Do coaches have to? Do oh, yeah. To no question. There's always a fine line with coaches of too much or too little. You know what I mean? It's, it's again, you've heard me say this, but it's true. It's not about what we know. You know, it's about what they know. And what they can do, you know, we 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 can stay up there all night, you know, and uh, work all night and come up with all kind of creative things, but can they do it? You know, can they execute it? And there's always a, a concern of too much, too little, and what can they handle? What can they do? And you know, let, let's execute. You know. All right, Shane. So uh, some very interesting comments there from Mark Stoops, particularly there at uh, at the tail end. But um, you know, I think. Just hitting that refresh button and, and after, you know, COVID, that could be an excuse for just about any team. But uh, Kentucky with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the tragedies and, and so much stuff that they had going on last year, they had so much momentum heading into the COVID year. Uh, I feel like if they can pick up where they left off and then, you know, even take it a step further with this new offense, I, I guess, you know, that, that really speaks highly of, of what they got brewing there in Lexington, don't you think? Yeah, I do, man. And, you know, it's, it's, it says a lot about the coach here, I, I think, because when, when Mark took this job, there wasn't a lot of expectations, but he's created those. And now you've got a program that's starting to expect wins, that's expecting to go to bowl games. They now starting to expect to, to, to compete in the East, mm -hmm. you know, when you knock off teams like the Florida Gators. So I, I just think that that's, when he talks about the butterflies and stuff, I mean, that's what you want to hear from your coach. You don't want a guy that's out there that's complacent. And this is, this is no news. You know, I just, I want a guy that's like, man, I've, I've got a lot of pressure on myself. This team's got a lot of pressure on themselves because we expect more with Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, speaking of uh, wanting more, they're a 31-point favorite, so <laughs> <laughs> expect some points up there uh, in the season opener. You know what? They ain't gonna know what to do, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, next let's kick it all down to Gainesville, Shane. Where speaking of a uh, heavy favorite, Florida Gators, twenty-three and a half point favorite at home over Florida Atlantic, and old Willie Taggart used to be uh, the head coach down there at Florida <laughs> State for about a year till they fired him, but. Uh, uh huh. You know, get your backpack ready, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I forgot all about that. But uh, yeah, interesting news here from uh, Florida to start the week. Shade, I, I did not see this one coming. But uh, you remember a couple weeks ago, Auburn senior defensive lineman Tyrone Truesdale, he was projected uh -huh. to start, 
And of course, anytime an Auburn lineman enters the portal, Shane says, come on down to Rocky Top. <laughs> well, he he didn't go that direction, Shane. He went to Gainesville. So the Gators, yeah. they've picked up. This is their second Auburn transfer defensive lineman. They also got uh, Newkirk this offseason, and they added uh, Antonio Shelton from Penn State. So they have totally retooled that interior of their defensive mm-hmm. line with transfers. But, uh, you know, a nice little pickup here for the Gators. It's, you know, I guess that's just the wild state of college football where, hell, we're in game week, and uh, the yeah. Gators are picking up a veteran in the SEC that uh, was poised to start for uh, one of the better defenses in the league. Now he's a Florida Gator. So nice little pickup there. Hell yeah, it's a nice pickup. I mean, that's where the Gators are at. They're, they're just fine-tuning. I mean, that's what the portal, that's ideally when you think about the transfer portal, it's like a it's like a grocery store. You could go in and grab a couple items you need. You know, that's that's what Dan Mullen's doing. He's just, okay, I'm a little weak here. Let's, let's fix that. And that's exactly what he did. Now, of course, this is something, you know, we've talked and talked about, but uh, you, you don't really, you don't feel its effect till you see it, but the packed stadiums, and particularly in the mm-hmm. swamp, we know how rowdy that place can be, especially when them Gators are rocking like they have been under Dan Mullen. So uh, that is yeah. something, I thought that was the best comment Mullen had to start off the week here. Let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, who talks about the impact of having a, the Pack Stadiums once again. He at, he uh, discussed uh, the addition of Truesdale, and uh, now their starting corner, at least on the depth chart they released, is going to be Avery Helm opposite Kyer Elam. So that was a big question mark uh, heading into the season. How much extra juice do you expect the coaches and players to get from being in front of what could be a a semi-packed stadium or a packed stadium and and how did you I don't really I don't know if we asked you last year how you generated some of that yourselves well I think you know last year just very very I mean unique and and guys having to motivate themselves uh, to play the game which I mean our guys love to play the game we love to coach the game we love everything that the game stands for so uh, the motivating factor is there, but it is that extra energy. You know, I mean, you you do, and you you feel the crowd. You know, you don't just hear it, uh, but you feel it. And I think that's something that, you know, can really draw out things inside of you that you're not, you know, you don't get when through last year, you know, when you're just your self-motivation and desire to go play. When you can feel the energy of a crowd, it lifts you up even more. And then uh, with the unofficial depth chart, I know how much you love those, uh, but Avery Helm was listed as one of the starting corners. I'm just curious what you saw from him throughout the camp that uh, I've got on this time. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I guess that's today's depth chart. It changes every day. So uh, you show up on Saturday, you get to see who starts. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I thought he's done a really good job uh, of putting himself in position, whether he starts or not. I don't know. you got to come out on Saturday or, I mean, or plays the first play of the game. But uh, we're going to play a bunch of guys on the back end. We're going to rotate a bunch of guys through. I think Avery's done a really good job of maturing. Uh, I think that was a big deal for him. I know he came in when he got here. He's coming off an, a, a pretty significant injury. Uh, so that set him back with his rehab. Um, you know, but to grow and mature through that and then put himself in a position. I, obviously, he's got he's, uh, has tremendous physical talents, but it's the maturity of, of learning how to, you know, play within the scheme, play within what we're doing and do what's expected of him beyond just his physical talents. Uh, you know, and he's worked hard to go learn that, you know, having missed all the time from an injury when he got here. 
Hey, Dan, it looked like news came out today that you guys took a third grad transfer defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. did, uh, did injuries in camp play into that decision at all? Well, I, I think you're looking at your depth, and, and you know, that was a position, really, to me, it was, it was um, you know, a, a little bit of a recruiting gap uh, in the middle that we've had, um, you know, that for my first and second year here. Uh, and then you have some injuries and some guys not, not able to perform. But, I mean, it was somebody that we looked at immediately uh, at the start of training camp. And, um, you know, it's just something that, that you look at the depth chart, you look at where you're at, and you look at the needs. And, you know, you got a guy that started uh, a lot of games in this league, the opportunity for him to come in. And uh, I know it's kind of a late start, but, you know, being a, being a, a, a veteran guy that started in the league, I think he's going to adapt really quick. All right, Chad, so I just really appreciate the fact that uh, a guy like Dan Mullen, you know, we know how great of a coach he is, but he is well aware that he cannot do it all and his team can't do it alone. They need right. the fans. They need them showing up. Even if it's FAU, you know it's going to be hotter than hell in the swamp. <laughs> yet those fans are going to show up in full force and pack that place yeah. like it is Alabama because because they didn't get to do that last year. And it's, uh, you know, it, I don't know much about FAU, obviously. That's why we had Steven Lazen on the show. But if they ever stood a chance, it was when there was no fans in the stands. They got, they got no <laughs> prayers this week. You know what? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, but you got to think about I – th I always think about that game last year between them and Texas A&M. And mm -hmm. we, we, we <laughs> joked that they snuck in a few extra fans at that game because how loud they were. But it was a factor. It was, it was something that Dan had to deal with and, and – he, you know, he came out talking about it. So I, I think when you, 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 you implement the crowd noise, I tell you, I was doing those videos last week, last week, at SEC, mm -hmm. that was probably the, the, the most fun I had was going on there at YouTube and just video, video, these home fields, the loudest, uh, my buddy sent me one the other day. Now, granted, we lost this game, but Tennessee and Oklahoma, it was the, the stadium was just almost, it felt like it was about to collapse, right. you know, crowd noise is a factor and it's something that we forgot about because we went a year without it. But when it comes back, I'm telling you, man, some of these boys down there at FAU, they're going to be shaking, man, them owls, they, they ain't going to know what hit them when it gets, gets the rent or when it gets real ramped up. Uh, last thing uh, real quick on the, on the Gators, you know, there's been speculation, Anthony Richardson, the backup playing so well, you know, he's going to see the field. He may have the best nickname in the sec Shane, AR 15, but uh, <laughs> what separates Emory Jones here, his knowledge of the system and, uh, you know, just being able to read defenses and, and pick things up pre-snap, uh, that is something that Dan Mullen hit on as well. So obviously Emory has been in at times, but this will be the first time he, you know, is the starter, mm -hmm. at least according to the depth chart. Um, how much do you put on his plate this first week? Do you let him go out there and – run a full playbook? Do you sort of ease him into it? Because in the past, he's only done a couple of series at a time, maybe a few versus Auburn when Kyle was hurt. I guess just how much do you throw at him at once? Yeah, we put it all in on him. You know what I mean? It's not like he's a freshman or hasn't been around. That's 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 part of the experience. I mean, he's played in meaningful snaps in, in each of the last couple seasons. So, um, you know, I mean, he, he's a guy that we I feel pretty comfortable. We'll just throw the whole thing at him and, and let him go. With that being said, how much, I guess, flexibility or how much leeway does he have to sort of uh, 
you know, make his own calls? Oh, know, a lot. Audibles? Is it all checked with me? He's like, he has a lot, you know, I mean, he'll have, I mean, we'll have some, we'll have a bunch of different things. We'll have some, you know, some packaged plays that are checked together. We'll have some automatics that he can kill to, um, you know, and then I think he knows he has the ability. If he sees something that he likes or that's, that's different that we weren't planning for. A lot of times you get in a game, especially one that you're not really, you know, you don't have much film to go watch. Um, that you know you have to be very flexible during the course of the game and, and so he's a guy that will I have the confidence in that if he sees something he can check to it and go go take what he sees all right Chad so next let's kick it on Dave to Missouri M-I-Z! where the Tigers you know this was interesting they're hosting uh, Central Michigan Jim McElwain and company and the line is only 14 Considering that's in Columbia, that's pretty disrespectful. So, uh, you know, I can't wait to see what we're getting. You know, we already know, I think, what we're getting from uh, Eli Drinkwitz and that offense. But Steve Wilkes Mm -hmm. and this defense, you know, how do they look? The guy's been very impressive. I thought uh, in what we saw from the spring game, the defense looked outstanding. Although, you know, that wasn't really a traditional spring game. So, I don't know how much you take away from that. But, uh (laughs) You know, I think that'll be the the main thing I have my eye on on Saturday is this Missouri defense under their new direction. Define normal. I mean, we've put in a new defensive scheme. I uh, had five transfers. I just I don't think there is an I, I think there's no such thing as normal anymore. I think you're constantly going to be um, having to forge an identity based off of what each individual circumstance is. And so, I mean, obviously we didn't have the disruptions um, for COVID, but you know, we still get the the SEC rules handed out yesterday, and you still got tests once a week, and you still got breakthrough cases that are happening. So I think we're all just going to take it one day at a time, like a good coach speak would, would say. You've had a, a full spring and a full camp to see Steve's defense and what he's installed. Just how do you feel about what you have there? And are you feel more equipped with, with this defense going into a season? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel very comfortable with with the scheme that we're trying to, to install, and I feel like our defense is very comfortable in what we're asking them to do and, and the rules that are, you know, the adjustments that they have. Um, but we haven't been tested by fire yet. We haven't had the adversity of being down or giving up points on a scoreboard. And so we're going to have to see how all that comes together, whether it's our defensive staff working together, whether it's me reacting to what occurs in the game or making adjustments. Uh, you know, defenses giving up a big play and figuring out how to fix it on the sideline. So I think there's a lot of questions that still have to be answered. Uh, I have a lot of confidence. Obviously, Steve's been coaching football for a long time and, and knows what it takes, and our staff knows what it takes. But, again, just like uh, anything else, until you really do it, you're not going to be quite sure where the deficiencies are and what has to be fixed. I, I think the biggest thing that you can do as a, a competitor is focus on the things that you can control. Uh, within a game you know when you play in a game really all you can control is the attitude and effort that you play every play with and then you can control knowing your assignments and executing those at a high level I think what happens um, whether it's game one game six any game big moments you lose focus in the moment whether it's the previous play or the worry about the scoreboard or worried about what people might say or what the fans reaction to it is you know we have a this play philosophy where the only thing that matters is this play 
and focusing on executing this play. Um, cannot do anything about the previous play, and you've got no control over the final score. The only thing that really matters is this play. And it kind of ties into us uh, on our 1-0 mentality. Like, you know, you got 12 games on the schedule, but the only one that really matters is this week, this one. And you've got to focus all your energy, all your effort on, on this game. And the only way you can get ready to play for Saturday is to have a great practice today. And the only way to have a great practice today is to make sure that you have great meetings. And the only way you can have a great meeting is to be there on time with a notebook, pencil, and paper ready to take notes. And so you break it down into that focus. And then when you do those things consistently, you have a great repetition uh, by doing it. Uh, that's when the flywheel starts flying a little bit faster. That's when things are a little bit smooth. And when things are smooth, they get fast. And so that's for us the key to playing fast. And All right. So, uh, so it's there. Okay. So they're only favored by 14 points against Michigan. <laughs> Is that what you said? Central Michigan. Oh, Central Michigan. <laughs> that's what I thought you said, Mike. Man, they're going to whoop his ass, man. <laughs> 14 points. I tell you what. They need to have Eli's got to have that hanging up in the locker rooms. He's got. I, I'd put it on the damn tickets as they walked in. Just let them know just how disrespectful they are. So yeah, I think Missouri comes out. Now I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to do predictions later, but man, fourteen points. Come on now. <laughs> All right, next game, another uh, you know cupcake affair here, Shane. Let's kick it on down to the plains. Get ready, Tumors Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score. 48, Alabama 45. Where uh, Brian Harson, the debut of his era there, uh, you know, a lot of uncertainty with the Tigers. But, you know, a mix of that. They have veteran leadership, but there's just there's just so many questions, particularly on the offensive line at the receiver. And uh, now, you know, they just lost Truesdale. So now, you know, he, that's not going to cripple the defense by any means. But, um you know, even the secondary, they look to be loaded, but there's so many transfers and incoming players. There's just so many questions abound for this team. And then, hell, you you know, I hate talking COVID, but uh, now we have the coaching staff <laughs> affected by COVID. So, uh, you know, again, I, I don't see a line for this Akron game. I assume it's around 30, 35 points. So, again, this is going to be a nice tune-up game, but mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of players on the field that, uh, you know, I think are, I don't want to say lost. That's That would be the wrong word, but finding their way. And, uh, you know, we've only got a couple weeks here before we travel to Penn State. So these players yeah. have, have really got to to learn on the fly here, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, trust me, I'm, I'm dealing with the COVID thing on my end too, man. <laughs> I got two of them here that's got COVID. I'm, I'm dodging them like, I, I feel like Ali, man. <laughs> you know, trying not to get hit here, but uh yeah, I, I get it, and, and I know it's tough. We've talked about this for a couple weeks now, but I will say there's a lot of seniors on that. I mean, there's not yeah. maybe not seniors, but upperclassmen. There's mm -hmm. This isn't their first rodeo, and I think they're going to be prepared going into this week. That's what you got to have. This, this needs to be a, a senior-led program, and then – you know, when you get into Penn State, have I mean, you're going to everybody's going to be working kinks out the first couple of weeks. Auburn's going to be no different, but it's just they're coming in, they're kind of limping into this thing. But I think they're going to be all right week one for sure. Yeah, and as weird as it is to, you know, wrap your head around this, you know, Bo Nix, he's one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the SEC. 
And if he yeah. decides to take advantage of that free COVID year, I mean, he's technically a sophomore. So, um, I mean, right. it, so we that'll be, you know, very important to see how he factors in. I don't know how much we'll get a good read on that until we see them face off against Penn State. But where I will have my eye on, where I think we can get a good read, is that offensive line. Uh, and that's something that Brian Harson hit on here. Uh, the excitement really is just the week of prep leading into the game. And then, you know, once we get to Saturday, it's just letting these guys cut loose and go play. And that's the fun part. Uh, that's the opportunity for all the work that <clears throat> that our players have put in, that the coaches have put in to go out there for four hours and just, you know, cut it loose and, and know it's not going to be perfect. We don't expect that. But what we do want to be able to do is respond and adjust um, the way that we practiced. And so uh, if we you know, take a, a day off or take a period off or whatever that is throughout the week, um, you know, that usually shows up. And, and you're, you're seeing now, you're seeing other teams play, so you can go back and, and watch some of these games that these other teams played before us. You can learn from them. There's, there's things that some teams did really well. There's things that teams, obviously, I'm, I'm going to assume covered. Uh, but didn't go well, and so for us as a team, let's let's take um, that film and let's learn from it. And let's apply it to what we have to do, and let's be ready to go out there and play really clean football. And Brian, you talked all through camp about wanting to find the consistency on the offensive line. Uh, how close do you think you guys have come to that? You know, as you head into game week and with that with that first group. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think we've had our moments. Um, in the scrimmages that I've seen, I think we played well at times. Uh, but the O-line is is run blocking. It's also pass blocking. Um, it's it's not cutting anybody loose. And so I, I think the O-line has done a better job of being consistent in those areas. And really the, the best test for our offensive line is going to be game day. And <clears throat> getting a chance to see those guys get out there, new front, um, different players that they haven't gone against. And then just seeing how we operate the run game, how we operate the pass game as far as protection goes, um, what our communication looks like from uh, the interior players especially, uh, and then just how we operate, you know, each each drive. So, isn't, isn't Bo Nix married now? <laughs> Didn't he get married over the summer? I mean, the guy's got like <laughs> – He's got, you know what I'm saying? He's got, he's already drawn retirement. I think he's, he's okay. He's going to be able to, he's going to get this team right. So. All right. Uh, and then we got two other matchups, Shane. Let's kick it on down to Columbia. Where we're hosting uh, Eastern Illinois. And I don't know how valid this line is, but I've seen South Carolina favored by 40 points. I think oh, oh, oh. I think that's on DraftKings and and hell that's with uh, Mr. Zeb Nolan starting at quarterback <laughs> and my goodness Shane that was uh, you know SEC fans are they're acting like they won when they found out uh, South Carolina is uh, starting Zeb Nolan and that is I mean so many people around the SEC scratching their heads trying to figure out you know it's pretty bad when a when a team names a starting quarterback and everybody else in the in the conference has got to Google that name. But uh, that's where the Gamecocks are at, and uh, based on the 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 odds makers, it doesn't seem uh, you know this is a terrible terrible Eastern Illinois team. So hell, they could start you or I at quarterback, and I think the Gamecocks <laughs> will be fine in this one. You know what? 
Yeah, Gamecocks grab that kid. Well, he came off that uh, that Bishop Sycamore team, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, hell, he's got an arm. Let's put him up here in South Carolina. So, uh, no, I'm just I'm just messing. This is uh, how many did you say? Forty points already? That's what I saw on Tuesday Man. morning. Mm, could you imagine? But the backup quarterback. I mean, the storylines that are going to come out of of Columbia. I can hear it now. They're gonna. Do you think there's gonna be any uh, quarterback competition? I. That's the bad thing. I, I will say, Mike, is when you when you play a lesser than opponent. You know, everything seems to go smooth. You know, everybody's high on, on the cloud. Then you get Luke back at Georgia, and then you're like, well, maybe we should go back to the you know the forty year old guy. You know, right, <laughs> maybe right. we got a Winky Junior over here. So kind of the way I view it, Shane and. You know, this is how South Carolina fans have to view it. You're going into a season with so much uncertainty. Neither one of your coordinators has called a game at this level. Your head mm-hmm. coach has never been a head coach previously. And there's been so much transition that I think the coaching staff is looking at it like, you know, this is potential for epic, epic disaster. If we throw right. out a quarterback like a true freshman in Gautier or uh, uh, the the other kid, Jason uh, Brown, you know, from mm-hmm. the FCS level that didn't even get to play football last year because FCS uh, didn't have football. If we throw a guy out there like that and they just cost us the game, we, yeah. you know, we may lose the fan base. And I, and I certainly don't think that it's way, way, way too early to be saying <laughs> stuff like that. But just look at Chad Morris. Hell, we just looked at Willie Taggart. Jeremy Pruitt. Right. I mean, we are in an era where if year one is a disaster, we're already mm-hmm. the sharks are already circling. So right. instead of that, they're throwing out a guy out here that uh, you know played football last year that helped mm-hmm. build the offense there in Columbia. And then the moment Luke Doty is a hundred percent, we just insert him back into the lineup because uh, we just cannot afford to to lose either one of these games and particularly this this first one you can't you just cannot afford to lose it you know yeah and I, I think if you're if you're coach beamer and i'm not i'm not trying to put words in his mouth but it seems like you know okay if we roll the coach out there then the fans really know where this program's at right now so that they, they just keeps bringing those expectations down a little bit more if you you know what i'm saying because right, right. Shane's in a he's he's in a rebuild up there say what you want they've got some talent yes but they are nowhere near where they want to be. And I think this is just a, a reminder that they're thin, buddy. And, and and that competitive depth is is not there right now. Yeah, but it is important to note, Shane, that uh, old Zeb Nolan is not Uncle Rico. We named Zeb Nolan our starting quarterback for this week. Uh, he's a guy, obviously, he has Power 5 experience. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, he played in a playoff game a few weeks, a few months ago. Uh, he is very efficient, getting us in and out of the huddle, commanding the offense, controlling what's going on out there. He has a great understanding of what we're doing offensively because he spent the entire summer, as I know he told you guys, drawing up the playbook and, and, and coaching. So we've got a lot of confidence in, in Zeb being able to go out there and operate at a high level on Saturday night. We're not asking him to go win the football game. We'll never ask our quarterbacks to do that. We want to ask him to get us in and out of the huddle cleanly and efficiently without pre-snap penalties. Let's hand the ball to our running backs. Let's get the ball to our playmakers uh, on offense at wide receiver, tight end, and running back. 
Uh, offensive line, let's do a great job of running the football and protecting the quarterback, and, and let's go play. So we're not asking Zeb to go win the game on Saturday night. We're asking him to operate the offense efficiently, and we feel like he does the best job of that right now from an offensive standpoint. We have ton, a ton of confidence in all of our quarterbacks, no matter who's out there, Colton, Connor, uh, Jason or Luke, if he were to able able to really come along in the next few days and, and be 100%. And having said that, I'm not, I told Luke this morning and telling you guys now, I'm never going to put a player out there uh, when he's not ready to play. Uh, if Luke's not 100%, it's not worth it, Whether no matter who we're playing. Uh, I want him to be out there and be at his best where he can do what he does best and, and protect his health. Again, let's not – I know what the narrative may be out there, so let's forget about and lose the, uh, the narrative of – he hasn't played a football game in two or three years, and he was walking up and down the halls like Uncle Rico talking about what he did back in the day as a quarterback. He played quarterback a few, a couple months ago. He's been a – or three months ago. He's been a graduate assistant coach since June. So like I told you guys when we activated him to our roster, he's played in a college football game a hell of a lot more recently than anybody on our – anyone on our team. Uh, is it a little bit unique? Yes, but it wasn't, like I said, that he played a couple years ago. He played a few months ago. He's been a coach for basically two months as a graduate assistant when uh, he was heavily involved working with the players and things like that also. <laughs> All right, Shane. So, I, hey, I, I appreciate Beamer for, uh, you know, his humor here. And one other thing we got to be on the lookout for here because – you know, all everything we just said, you know, maybe some negativity there, but one great positive around Shane Beamer in this South Carolina program, he is just as damn fired up as these fans to see Williams Bryce Stadium rocking and packed for his first game as as the Gamecock head coach. Let's kick it over to him. Um where we can get into this week and just focus on preparing to play on Saturday night. But for me it's doing that, you know, focusing on what I gotta do. Right now, as soon as I walk out of here, it'll be finishing watching the practice tape, start getting ready for third down, which is what we practice tomorrow, and 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 be up here late tonight working on that, and then back at it Thursday or excuse me Wednesday morning, and then on we go. But certainly, um, you know, I'd be, I'd love to sit up here and give you coach speak about how focused I am on the game, and I don't think about all that other stuff. But that's a bunch of crap. I mean, I'm fired up and excited and, and can't wait. And I talked to the team about it this morning. I mean, one of the things we talked about as a team was controlling your emotions. That that Saturday is a big or Saturday night is going to be a big deal for all of us, and there's going to be a lot of excitement and energy and all that stuff. And we got to make sure we don't go in there and we're just so emotional that we go in there and lose our minds and forget about what we have to do to prepare to play. And I told them, I said, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I'm going to be jacked up when we do Gamecock walk and, and jacked up when we do uh, when 2001 plays and all that stuff. But you also got to remember what's important and focusing on, uh, on the task at hand as well. Are Kevin Harrison, Cam Smith going to be available? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Should have mentioned them also. Yeah, Cam was out there today. Kevin should be good, and Cam was out there today and uh, practiced. looked uh, looked fantastic. And, and credit Cam for his rehab and the way that he's handled everything. I mean, he's a guy that when he first got hurt, East Carolina was probably the most likely realistic for him to be back. I mean, there was a chance all along that he'd be back for the first game. I didn't lie to you guys, but it was. Best, best, best case scenario. And Cam's absolutely attacked uh, his rehab to be able to go out there. And, and you know, Cam 
Uh, I think our Cam would love to play 70 plays Saturday night if he could. He was out there in practice today and, and looked, uh, looked great. Last team to hit on here, Shane Vanderbilt and ETSU. The Clark Lee era starts this weekend in mm-hmm. Nashville. Anchor down. And again, a lot of the same situations that we just said at South Carolina. Uh, I think obviously at Vanderbilt, you know, they've got, they're not going to pull the trigger. You could have made the case, maybe Derek Mason, you know, could have been fired a, a year or two earlier than he was. <laughs> so they'll give uh-huh. you patience. There's not. There's not necessarily pressure on uh, Clark Lee to to come out here and be gangbusters week one, but you know I think right. fans are they're going to be demanding improvement. And when you got a starting quarterback, they just named Ken Seals the starting quarterback. You got a really nice piece there, Mike Wright, the backup. Uh, you know maybe one of your best players. When you got two outstanding quarterbacks, the offense has got to be efficient. And uh, that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I'm going to have my eye on, on this weekend. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I, I want to see. I, I think out of all the programs, for some reason, I've just got this imagination that coach that Coach Lee is going to be more fundamental. That there's right. not going to be mistakes because it felt like last year we had a young program. They they made a lot of mistakes. They were they're never all out there at the same time. Well, they didn't have that experience in the off season. They were all together. And I just – I don't know. I, I just expect efficiency when it comes with Vanderbilt this week. All right, uh, so let's kick it over to his comments here on Ken Seals being the starting quarterback and the fact that they plan to use Mike Wright moving forward. Uh, Clark, have you named the starting quarterback yet? Yeah, we've decided to, to name uh, Ken Seals the starting quarterback for week one here. Um, both Ken and Mike had great camps, um, and we're, we're proud of both those guys. Felt like it was important for our team heading into game one that we had some clarity in that position and we were allowing for, you know, those guys to establish roles for themselves uh, to build chemistry within the offense. So we've been practicing that way for the last, um, you know, couple of weeks, but um, both quarterbacks will play. Mike Wright is one of our best 11 on offense. He is a super talented person and a super talented player. And we're we're anxious to see um, what kind of role he can carve out for us on offense as a playmaker and a guy that can be a game changer for us on Mike and without, you know, giving away all your plans for opponents here in this season, but what, what kinds of, obviously last year you had sort of that red zone role. I mean, do you anticipate an, an expansion beyond that potentially this year for him? Yeah. I, I mean, Mike, Mike has earned the right to play snaps, not relegated to his own or a situation. I mean, we want to see him um, get out there and lead the offense. We think he's, he's earned that right and, and shown uh, capability at times in practice um, to, to function as a one. And that's why the competition took its course. So, you know, we're, we're, um, we're planning on him to, to have a role. Um, obviously um, certainly that can be situation uh, based, but we don't want to just relegate him to that. We want to make sure we have, we give them ample opportunity to get out there and 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 uh, to execute on a drive and to see um, you know how he can ignite explosive play for us on offense. So we'll um, we'll get him out there uh, you know early in the game um, Saturday and we'll see kind of how things take shape around him. And then you know as we go through the season, uh, based on how the offense develops and how he develops in that role, we'll we'll uh, we'll look to expand that to make sure we're putting ourselves in a winning position. Yeah, Clark, this is obviously your first game as a head coach. It's different preparing as the head guy than as a coordinator or a position coach. So when you go about your week of preparation and all the things that go with that, 
where do you get your inspiration for how to go about things to game plan to the flow of the week, everything? Do you, do you call Brian Kelly? Do you talk to Tim Corbin? Do you just absorb some things that you've gone through before and, and take those into your own style? But as you put together a plan for how to, to get into a routine and all, how did you, how did you go about that? It's all of the above. I mean, I've had a lot of great coaches that I've learned from, uh, from head coaches that I work for. Obviously, Brian Kelly is, is certainly one of those. Dave Clawson, you know, John Stiglmeyer at South Dakota State. There's a lot of guys. Scott Schaefer. Um, you know, I've had a lot of great conversations over the course of preparing for fall camp. And, um, you know, we're, we're um, you know, just looking to kind of build this together, too, meaning our staff gets together and talks about what the team need is and how we fill that need. Obviously, there's some intuition involved with that as well. Um, every team is different. And so uh, the formula that works at, you know, a certain program doesn't necessarily work for uh, this, this 2021 uh, Vanderbilt football team. And so it, it's, it's a combination, but I am definitely uh, pulling from all the learning I've had over my career and, um, and also relying on instinct and, and kind of the pulse of the team, too efficiency that's not sexy is it no they ain't gonna <laughs> like that but i'll tell you what i could go for some efficiency right now i don't want mistakes right. and, and, and i think that's what vanderbilt got in trouble with so many times last year is they would they would have three good plays and then they had one that would just set them back and then next thing you know they're punting and they can't catch up so just efficiency nothing wrong with that right and i also think that this is the perfect opponent for vanderbilt to open I don't know who in the mm -hmm. hell set this schedule where we got to go to Colorado State next week and then we get Stanford mm -hmm. the following week before getting into uh, the SEC grind. I mean, Vanderbilt, you got to know where you're at as a program. Uh, give me four ETSUs if they'll give them to me, you know, and, and, and that, that's your ticket to, to making a bowl right now if you're yeah. Clark Lee. So we may not have, uh, you know, quite as easy as a schedule as we want, but you got to take advantage of this while you're getting it. I know there's going to be right. week, week one issues to, to resolve around, but like I said, this, this hell, you could throw a couple pick sixes and you'll, you, should, <laughs> you still should beat ETSU. So uh, there's a lot of yeah. margin for error in this uh, first game, but uh, they've got to pick it up quick because next week going on the road, to a Colorado State that that you're probably more talented than uh, that it gets tricky real quick. Yeah, it does. All right, Shane. So hey, that's uh, that's all we got on this episode. Unless you got anything before we hop off here. No, man. I think, uh, like I said, I like touching on all the teams, but uh, right now we're focused on one team in 24 <laughs> hours. That's going to be the University of Tennessee going against Bowling Green. So. Uh, do you have, uh, we're going to do what a little preview tomorrow with them or, or absolutely. Yeah. So we'll, the next show will be breaking down Tennessee bowling green, and then we will have to hold off an extra day to do the rest. And, uh, I'm hoping like crazy. I've got, I got my fingers crossed that I can get the Tennessee Homer to do emergency podcasts. Uh, once we know the outcome of that Tennessee bowling green game. So yeah, we'll, we're going to have a lot of coverage of that one. Yeah, maybe we get together at halftime and just <laughs> hash it out. So I don't know what we're gonna keep that fluid, but uh, keep you know, make sure you subscribe to YouTube because we hell we may even go live, Mike. We may even do some live action. So uh, I don't know. We we haven't really hashed it out. We don't know what we're gonna do, but make sure you got the uh, subscribe button there and and the the notifications on because if we do go live, you know we're gonna be able to. Hopefully it's. 
Hopefully it's good news, Mike. I don't want to get on here and talk about it. Oh, God. Here we go again. You know, fire Apple. He said he, he, said he was going to get points. <laughs> I hope that ain't it at all. So, But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted for sure. Absolutely. And we're like you said, we're doing terrific on the YouTube. Subscribe there. I think we're going to go through the roof. Once we get the big yeah. Tennessee Homer on the on there with the video format, but uh, hey, that'll be uh, something to, to see as the season comes along. But that's gonna do it on this episode. I'm I'm struggling to, to end this because I'm getting so damn excited for college football. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out, uh, and I'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.